This is Faith Fulcrum, a podcast for anyone trying to balance faith and tradition with contemporary challenges. I'm Scott Simpson. And I'm Mark Baldridge, and our conversation grows from a lifetime friendship born within a Bible-centered community of believers. We don't always agree. So you don't have to either. Weigh what we have to say in the scales of your own faith and see. Today's episode, The Truth About Good and Evil, or Two Different Ways to Look at a Rainbow. I want to look at the way the Bible talks about the creation of human beings and the universe, Mm -hmm. and also what science tells us about how those things came about. And uh, I don't know that the right word is reconcile, but I I want them to coexist comfortably, Mm -hmm. and I think that that's possible at least, if not uh, entirely likely for every, every person. Yeah, that's been a big struggle, I think, for a lot of people. It has been, I think, and people find it confusing, and it makes them feel that science is untrustworthy because it appears to contradict the Word of God. And that's obviously, if you have to choose, it can seem like you only have one viable choice there. Right. And and I think it makes other people think that there's not any value in the Bible because because it's not uh, scientifically correct. Right. And one of the things I think that I want to try to posit is that science means evidence. That's what that's all it really means. And in fact, new evidence is constantly usurping old Mm -hmm. evidence in science. People sometimes want to make that a kind of negative about science, that (laughs) there's nothing you can kind of point to that says this Mm -hmm. shall stand forever. And at the same time, in religion, the tendency has always been to point at things in in every religion and say, this is eternal truth. But many of those things, the way we interpret those things changes over time. So that, for instance, it was eternally true that men and women, they're created differently by God and they must have different expectations and even rights. And that's I mean, I think that most people are willing to say now that women are equal human beings to men. And that men and women should live under the same rules, the same laws, and not have a difference between them based on their genders. Sure. Um, I sometimes spend some time in elementary classrooms. And one of the things that I was doing is there was this indigenous elder who had told this story, how Creator had loved the flowers, loved all the different colors of the flowers. And so Creator decided to make the rainbow because the flowers were sad that they lived such a short time. So the Creator said, you know what? You're all going to live forever. Every time you see a rainbow, that's that's you up there. And so that was this, this nice story about how the creator cared enough to give the flowers a longer life. And one yeah. really smart young man, I don't, I think he was third grade maybe, he said, he put his hand up and he said, you know, um, rainbows really aren't anything. They're just like sun diffracting uh, on, on water. And I said, you are 100% right. Isn't it wonderful that when we look at something like a rainbow, we can look at it from science and talk about what it really is and what causes that. And then we can have an interesting story that teaches us some interesting lessons that we can talk about as well. Two different ways to look at a rainbow. I think people have lost a capacity to shift and say, what mode are we in right now? You know? That's very, I love that story. It's a very touching and moving story. And I, I, I feel for that kid. I feel that kid. I think what they're both doing, science and uh, the scripture uh, or texts of spirituality or texts of wisdom, what they're both doing and where they do meet is they're both telling stories. And right. one story is uh, the story of science is based on evidence. That's what it's based mm-hmm. on. And if it will change as the evidence changes as more evidence comes in. 
Uh, the other story is not based on evidence, but that doesn't mean that it's not viable or real. The mm-hmm. stories of uh, Shakespeare are not based on evidence. Right. right. As far as I know, as far as anyone knows, Hamlet never lived. But Hamlet lives in the works of Shakespeare and in our culture. These characters, these people live in our hearts and our minds. They tell us again and again about the world we live in. They comfort us, they guide us, and they warn us. Hamlet is a warning, possibly. Mm -hmm. Certainly, Macbeth is a warning. The only place they meet, science and religion, uh, the scriptures is in that they're both telling stories. Yeah. I don't mean to, and I won't, I'm no scientist, and I will not give evidence for um, the story of, of the creation of the universe uh, and human evolution, as science gives. But in our context, the context of this little show we have going, mm-hmm. it's very much on point to get the word of God on yeah. the subject. So I had asked you if you would read Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Actually, just stop there for a second. Yeah. I wanted to compare that, because this is also a story. It's a different story, and it's told in a different way, and I think fairly radically different way. Mm-hmm. And that's in John 2, uh, the, the wedding at Cana. Yeah. Would you do those? Uh, sure. Do the whole 11 verses. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. When he called the bridegroom aside, and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you've saved the best till now. What Jesus did there in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Thanks, that's great. Yeah. So, so in the first one, we get to the evening and the morning and the first day. And here we start exactly the same way in Cana on the third day. Mm-hmm. Do they seem to be telling similar kinds of stories? Do they seem to be paced in the same way? Well, no. One seems to be prose and one seems to be poetry. That's that's how I'd exactly right. The opening of Genesis is a poem. It's clear when you compare it to the prose. Here's the first miracle of God. He creates the universe. The first miracle of Jesus, his mother is there. Right, uh, yeah, the, the yeah. master of the feast talks about cheapskates and their weddings. Yeah, there's yeah. a little domestic intrigue. Jesus, uh, you know, why are you bother me, lady? And uh, his his mother says, 
uh, do whatever he, he tells you <laughs> to the servants. Mm-hmm. She un, you know, undermines his, what he's saying uh, behind his back. It's a domestic almost conflict at a wedding, and it, in, the end result is something wonderful. The language seems very literal, that the water has turned yeah. into the finest of wines. But yeah. Yeah. separating the waters from the waters and the, the Spirit of God moving over the surface of the deep, those are yeah. parts of the language of mythology, of poetry. People who study these texts recognize that this is a poem. Definitely, it's more than one poem. Mm-hmm. First, he creates man at, in his own image, Male and female created yeah. them. Then he, he, he kind of does it over again. We hear it twice in a different way. It's a different story, right. a different poem. But these have been brought together, and these are the are the great literary achievements of that era about about right. the nature of the origins of the universe and the the appearance of man upon the planet. None of it seems to expect to be taken as a concrete reality. In Cana, this is clearly happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't seem to me that the evening and the morning of the first day of creating light is the same as the third day of a trip in Cana. No, that, that third right. day is literally the Tuesday or whatever day of week it is, mm-hmm. and uh, and th- that seems literal and it seems to be telling, like I say, a factual tale. But we, even uh, people talking about how the universe might, how our, for instance, how the universe might have been created by God have to deal with two real big factors, and one of them is the the fossil record and all those dinosaur bones. Mm-hmm. Now, now I've, right. heard, I've heard uh, people say, uh, I don't know if I've ever heard anyone say it sincerely, I think maybe they're re- referencing something they have heard, but I've heard people say that perhaps that the devil placed those bones there as a trick, tricksy <laughs> devil. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to make us disbelieve. Yeah. You said something. You heard somebody say yeah. the opposite. This was a sincerely held belief. This person believed definitely that the, the devil didn't have that kind of yes. power. God had the power. And so God, if the bones are there, then God put them there. So why would God put them there? Well, it was a test. It was a test to see if his people would be faithful in paying attention to his word versus their own eyes, yeah. which was frightening yeah. to me. I, I think it gets at the thing that is most frightening about this. If I am able to convince myself and other folks, what you see, hear, touch, taste, what you measure is not trustworthy, but the magical knowledge within these pages over here is trustworthy. Well, you know what? I have to see, hear, touch, taste those too. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't get that. I don't, you know. <laughs> yes, I, I do. I understand that. And I do feel like it's an odd vision of God. But I would also mm-hmm. say that there's another thing God must have done. And that is, if the universe is only several thousand years old, uh, we've measured the speed of light and we know how fast light mm-hmm. goes. God must have created the universe full of stars with photons from those stars, as it were, which had never been on those stars, but in straight lines emanating from those stars for us to be seeing those stars now. Because we know that some of those stars are, some of them are billions of light years away. And and if so, why? What is the point there? Again, uh, is it just... A trick. And all of that, all of that contorting of thought, which seems just irrational, is sparked 
by a strange need to say someone of faith sat down and counted out the genealogies and said the universe has only been around for uh, 7,500 years or whatever whatever it is. And so for me to believe uh, anything other than that is for me to be unfaithful in all things. How do we know what's true? I think it's good that Jesus gives us an excellent answer by the fruit of the tree. You know what kind of tree yeah. it is. And I think his very teaching, you'll know them from the fruit. Yeah. I think that is a, a strong endorsement of science. It could be, yes. <laughs> I, think, I, I, think, I think he's yeah. saying, hey, when you see something, when you taste something, when you hear something, believe it. That's going to be that's going to be your way of knowing if it's yes, real. Well, it's he's this, um, uh, he's talking again. He's making a moral statement, but it is it is I believe it's a very fine answer to the question what is real. The the question that kind of plagues uh, poor Pilate. Uh, what is real? What is truth? He says. Yeah. Well, you know truth by what it accomplishes in the world. And many times, I agree with you that science is right. That science is like anything. Uh, like I would say, like religion. There is not an yeah. only good side to anything. Uh, the, uh, human beings do not create only light. We cast long shadows. Right. But I'm constantly saying when a new, uh, a new treatment uh, makes blind people see, I'm constantly yeah. uh, posting to social media with a link to the story. Go and tell John. Because Jesus yeah. says, uh, when John asks, how do I know it's you? Yeah. How yeah. do I know yeah. you're the one? He says, just go back to him and tell him what he, you see and hear, that the, the, yeah. the blind are made to see, the sick are, are healed. This is the work of God on, on earth, and when we are healing the sick, we're doing God's work, whether we know it or not, mm-hmm. whether we want it or not. If we're mm-hmm. comforting the dying, we're doing God's work. And if we're making mm-hmm. the blind see again, or, you know, through scientific methods, then we're doing God's work. I think it's a good place to end. Yeah, I think so. If you want more content like this, we're building a website at faithfulcrum.com. Or if you want to get in touch, email us at faithfulcrum at gmail.com. Well, Mark, you got any ideas for a hymn this time? Yeah, I do have a hymn. It's called 2% Angel. Like winged monkeys belonging to a witch A human being can be a son of a bitch In comprehension, how like a god Only in sort of a simian shape percent angel, 98 percent No better than need be, and quite a bit worse. Human life lies under a curve. Unless the divine light illumines the We'll stay to percent angel to percent angel to 
Cooper said Angel 98% Signifying monkey Not quite all A Signifying monkey Signifying angel Person angel, two person angel, two person angel.